Hey everybody, this is Sir Charles Carey, a peak performance strategist. Mindset is the answer. But today I want to talk to you about something a little bit different. If you are an entrepreneur and if you really see the value in what you do as an entrepreneur, you want to share it on Anchor. Look, Anchor is a great place to do your podcast. Uh, It interfaces with other mediums, other platforms, which spreads your message wide and far. Not only that, your content can be uploaded quick and in a hurry. I mean, literally, if you're thinking about something you've never, uh, you know, shared with anyone, you can load it up on Anchor and share it with the world immediately. Uh, One other thing about Anchor, I can tell you, it's a quality platform where you can edit, you can add music, you can trim your content. There's just so many advantages of using Anchor. And before you know it, I'm sure people will love to hear what you have to say. Just like I talk about it in my keynotes and in my workshops, someone is always waiting to hear your story the way you tell it. Take care. Sir Charles Carey, radiate the brain and change the game with Anchor. Morgan speaks on 9 10 a.m. Superstation. My guest, Sir Charles Carey, peak performance strategist, international trainer, speaker, and author. Charles Carey recognizes how crucial leadership and communication is in today's business life and daily life. He's always been passionate and always sought clarity which is why he gives 100% with each engagement. Although passion is usually associated with being positive, for a good portion of Carrie's life, he repeatedly made horrible decisions. Those decisions led him to waste a quarter of a century as a substance abuser, and that cost him his family, opportunity, and things you cannot simply get back by being a nice guy and try to understand why he made those choices, Sir Charles once again sought clarity and became passionate about being a productive part of society and has turned his life around 180 degrees. He's transitioned from being an addict to being a government employee to a peak performance leadership strategist that has keynoted or trained agencies across the country. 
he has not only transformed his own life from environmental and life-threatening challenges, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, but as a two-time cancer survivor and having been nominated Man of the Year by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. He once again can celebrate his life by appreciating it through a new lens. He's dedicated himself to being a leader and leading many others by proving that in all, in spite of it all, you can have success. Charles, Sir Charles, is an Amazon bestseller and has been viewed as a combination of Wayne Dyer meets Les Brown, and clients love it. In addition to working with Fortune 500 companies in a variety of settings, his message has been heard on many, many major outlets. And with that, let's welcome Sir Charles Carey. Good afternoon. How are you? Oh, I will not complain. You know, I tell you, every day is a joy to behold because I am here. And I say a lot of times to people that anytime that you're six feet above ground, it's a good day, period. <laughs> that is so, so very true. So, Sir Charles, let's just talk a little bit about your journey, how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you know, I was a typical kid that I had a lot of questions. I would question things, you know, why, how, um, how do you know, did you see it? And when I grew up, even ask a question, a lot of times the adults thought you was trying to be a smart aleck. So I got popped in the mouth quite a few times, but it never stopped my curiosity or it never stopped me from wanting to know why about whatever, whether it was TV, whether it was movies, whether it was how much money you're making, why can't you do this and why can't you do that? So basically, I'm just saying that I'm naturally an inquisitive person and I always have been ever since I was a child. And what I found was that I was very interested in what was going on. We didn't call them fads and trends, but that's what they were. And I desperately wanted to fit in, and I desperately did my best to figure that out, to make sense of it. And that was a big mistake for me. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I, I can tell you a ton about that, but I don't want to just be a long run-on paragraph, but we can take a little bit of breaks in between because you may have some questions. Well, you know, I tell people a lot of times that the things that we go through is the training ground to prepare us for who we are and for how we are. And of course, when it's happening, we don't see it that way. We don't realize that, you know, what you're going through now, once you get through to the other side, you will learn a lot from it. But that's exactly what happens. Once we are able to get through to the other side, hopefully, there's a lesson in it. Uh, we're able to learn from that, build upon it, never experience it again, or do it better. And unfortunately for me, that lesson was a very 
long tenured uh, lesson because my first stop at making big mistakes was um, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. I'm a musician at heart. My family came from music, so I wanted to do just that. I wanted to be a musician, sing and perform, and I did. I sang around the country. I sang around the world, and I was never a international star, but because I was able to somewhat fulfill my dreams, I was also able to explore different doors that I really didn't realize were not in my best interest. And I became a substance abuser. So, I mean, it, it was crazy. I did almost every drug you can think of except for intravenous drug use. Um, and I'll be honest with you, it may sound kind of crazy. I like getting high. I like using drugs. But I realized that still wasn't good for me because it all started as a sort of a... Um, that's how we fellowship, you know, when I was a teenager. You know, we hung out, we had fun in groups, and we did what we did. And um, I, I just, you know, didn't realize that that lifestyle, that door that I was entering. Me up for failure. And when I really opened my eyes, it was 25 years later. And I'm like, wow, what have I done? What do I have to show for it? And honestly, I really had nothing. Thing, you know, uh, you know, when I do keynotes and in, in different um, speaking engagements, I tell the story about how my dad said, "Son, if you can't look at yourself in the mirror, you know that's a problem." And that's exactly what happened. At in my late thirties, I looked in the mirror, and I looked away because I couldn't stand the sight of myself, and I thought about what my dad said. And that indeed was a problem. But it was also an opportunity. It was the beginning of an opportunity for me to do something with my life, uh, for my life, and, and just to be the better version of me because I had three kids, you know, um, two different mothers. And I'm like, what are you doing? You're setting your own children up for, for failure. So that was a, that was a, I would say one in my success, if you will, because I had to learn how to turn my life around. I had to learn how to be consistent. I had to learn why I did the things that I did. And as I said, uh, that was the first lesson. And once I got clear from drugs, I started seeing life differently. And uh, there were a lot of activities. Should I continue going on? Go right ahead. But I want you to at least touch on okay. how you overcame your addiction. Because there might be someone else out there struggling with that same problem. How did you move forward and leave the drugs behind? Okay. Well, I am a very idealistic person at my core. I'm the type of person who really believes that people should get along and love one another. And although it's so much more complicated than that, talking about life, um, when I realized what I was doing to my children, that their dad, the one that would play with them, the one that would take them to school, that I was just a shell of a man, it pierced my soul. And I was, I, I just could, I couldn't forgive myself because I'm like, 
I have children that did not ask to come here. Like I didn't either, but I have a conscious knowledge of my behavior in real time. And I know that there's something that I could do about it. And I'm attempting to do that. And in attempting to do that, I felt like, wow, let me um, take advantage of this opportunity to shift gears. And I come from a praying family, spiritual family, and I prayed. And honestly, God answered uh, my call. Now, let me say this. I know everybody out there isn't religious. I know everybody out there isn't spiritual. But I do believe that whether you believe in God or not, you know you didn't come here by yourself. And my point is, if anything convicts your heart and you get an opportunity, you cannot afford to look a gift horse in the mouth as the saying goes. And that's what I did. I prayed and I took it serious and it was difficult for me. They gave me a bed. And I began the long process of learning who I really am. I began the long process of being able to discover options where I only looked in one direction before. I only looked at music because that was the big thing. That was what I came from. But what I didn't realize that there was so much more to me, the compassion, the loving of people, the desire to do something, to be something, and to have more. And when I looked up, it was um, maybe, I don't know, six months into my recovery. And I started really feeling good about myself. Got a chance to, you know, get a, a job, even though I had to report back to the facility that I was at. Then I got a chance to save some money. And then I got a chance to find a place to live outside of the facility. And I don't know, again, I, I was the kind of person, and I still am, I'm the kind of person that's very specific, very detail-oriented. So when I learned that doing these things will help change my life, to me it was a no-brainer. Do those things. Because while I was in recovery, I met people that had been in and out of recovery two times, 10 times, 12 times, 19 times. And to me, even as an addict myself, that was crazy. That was just crazy. How, why does somebody gotta tell you or show you 19 times how to do anything? I don't care if it's hammering a nail into a piece of wood. 19 times, come on, stop playing. And, um, once I realized that, I heard one of the counselors say, we put you guys through so much because when you were out in the world, you did everything to get a drug or to get a drink. And we pushed you so hard in the opposite direction because we hope that when we send you back into the world, the extreme measures that we impose on you, that needle will fall somewhere back in the middle versus the other end that you came in on. And when she said that, it made sense to me. It made sense. So that level of um, 
strategy, if you will. I accepted it, and it has been 20-some-odd years that I haven't had a drink, uh, any kind of mind-altering substance, and I'm fine, you know. I just realized that I was wasting my own time. I was wasting my life. I was throwing things, I was throwing my life down the drain because I wanted to fit in, I wanted to be cool, and I wanted to be down. And I was so down that I was almost at the point of ending my life. And just to let you see how it works, uh, Monica, I was um, I was out of a facility for a few months, got married, moved, and the doctor said, we think you got cancer. I'm like, come on. Now, I don't know about your family, Monica, but most people I know from my neighborhood or from my family that's living on the dark side of the track, we only need a little bit of stress before we revert back to that same bad behavior. We don't need a lot, just a little bit. And for me, for some reason, that was not an option. You see, I had come so far, I had regained trust. I had a clear mind. I was able to live life on life's terms, and I was able to see with clear vision. So here I am, married for the first time, almost 40 years old, um, living life on life's terms, relocating to a new city, even though I have family there. Um, and I'm beginning to really smell for the first time, see and taste for the first time the fruits of life. And it was a good feeling, a good experience. And I didn't want to throw that away. Now, here's another thing. I can tell you and paint a great picture, and it's real, but it does not come without challenges. I still wake up sometimes from dreams about getting high. Sometimes they're intense, and sometimes they're not. But I'm not willing to lose everything that I've gained, respect, trust, belief, faith, all the accolades that I'm going to tell you about as we move forward. I'm not willing to throw it all away just to get a little party on. I'm just, I'm just not willing to do that. And I can be around people that do what they do without turning my nose up at them. Because that's their life. That's not my life. They wouldn't trade their life for me. I won't trade mine for theirs. So my first taste of success, as we would call it, slowly started to come to my front door as I, again, relocated. I got a job in a top Fortune 500 company. And... I was starting to have an interest. What do I want to do? I had been away from music for several years, and I did feel a little sense of loss. But I started in Toastmasters, and I was like, oh, that's kind of nice. Cool. You know, you, you go to this meeting, and you talk about different things, and people look at you. I have a captive audience. I like that. And then I started entering contests and winning contests, and being praised and told how articulate I was. And I was like, I felt good about myself. It made me feel like I mattered. 
And I continued to do those things until I started to meet my mentors. And I didn't know they were my mentors, to be honest with you. I just knew I liked the way they did what they did, the way they spoke in big audiences on big stages. And then one one day I had an opportunity to take a workshop. And they told me some things that I, I never, ever forgot. You know, I met Les Brown and I got excited because... I was doing network marketing, okay, something else outside of my wheelhouse at the time. And I began to learn more about motivation and inspirational speaking. Eventually, that led to me creating a website, getting business cards, even though I didn't do it right. I didn't have the right information. I was all over the map, but I was really turned on and tuned in to this industry called the speaking industry. And then I met another mentor that said, you know what? If you want to be taken serious, you got to write a book. And I wrote my first book, Poetic Expressions. And I felt good because, wow, I'm a speaker. I got a book. But I knew it really wasn't the kind of book that most of the speakers I saw, it wasn't the kind of book that they had. They had books that were telling you stories or books that were teaching you things. And that was about the time when I had to deal with the cancer. And after that bout with cancer, that mentor told me, he said, look, you started singing again. You're in movies. You're doing poetry. You need to tell your story. So I wrote my story, Courage Facing Mortality. Cancer wasn't my only obstacle. And it became an Amazon bestseller. And I was like, wow, it was a memoir. So now I've written in two genres. I'm an author, I've written poetry, and I've written a memoir. And I was truly excited about that. So those were my first opportunities to have any type of success because people started recognizing me now as a speaker. And I was looking for opportunities to speak any and everywhere that I could. And there's more. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, a lot of those things that you're talking about, well, we will find out more when we return after the break. But I know that your big thing is the to radiate the brain and change the game. So let's let's move into that when we get back from the break. I am talking with Sir Charles Carey, peak performance strategist, international trainer speaker and best-selling author. We will return right after this. We've all seen and heard ads about how you can and should be better at this or that, but here's the rub. You don't work with the actual person pitching the product or the person that created the product. Now you can actually choose if you'd like to do it yourself or have the expert do it with you. National trainer, speaker, and author Sir Charles Carey gives you that opportunity with the Cure Membership Portal. You can actually learn from someone that talks the talk and walks the walk. He's an overcomer of substance abuse, a two-time cancer survivor, and a full-time life encourager. So he knows a thing or two about people on various levels. You'll be able to learn with exercises, personal coaching, videos, audios, and yes, information from his Amazon best-selling book, Courage Facing Mortality, and his new book, Radiate the Brain and Change the Game. 
In addition to that, he'll share various tidbits of insights from the Care Series workshops, transitioning into the person that you were designed to be or the career that you were designed to have. Contact us now. Hello and welcome back to Monica Morgan Speaks on 910 AM Superstation. My guest, Sir Charles Carey, peak performance strategist, international trainer, speaker, and author. If you'd like to join the conversation, if you have a question, the number is 313-778-7600. Again, the number is 313-778-7600. And we have a caller on hold, Cheryl. Hello, Cheryl. Thank you for calling. Do you have a question or a comment? I have a question. Okay, go right ahead. I want to ask Charles, what exactly does it mean to radiate the brain? Ah. Good question, question, Cheryl. Thank you for joining us, first and foremost. Definitely definitely appreciate you, appreciate your question and your support. I would like to say what radiate the brain means, okay? Radiate the brain and change the game is the name of, number one, one of the best-selling books that I have, and it's also one of my signature talks. And the point is, because I'm a cancer survivor, When you have cancer, you either get radiation or chemo. And the radiation is supposed to pinpoint the area of disease or infection. And what happens is it eliminates that disease or infection, which gives you different results. And that's the same thing we can do or should do with our thinking as we evolve in life. Change your thinking, change your focus, which changes your thinking, and you get different results. Okay, I got it. Great explanation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Did you have any other questions, Cheryl? How I got here, I can. Yeah, please. I I kind of want to know. After high school, I only spoke on it a little bit. What else happened that got you out there and away from? the training that you got from your parents and from school and, and you know, the adults around you. Everyone around you could not have been, you know, a bad influence. So with all these good influences, how did you end up out there like that? You know, that's a good good question. question. And I think think how how I got got out there there like that that was because because my my poor poor view of of myself. myself. You know, I was a kid that I was not popular. I was not an athlete. I was really uh, uncertain of myself. And we'll find today that's not uncommon for children to be uncomfortable with themselves. And many of those children grow into adults who are still uncomfortable with themselves. So for me, that's why I was trying so hard to fit in. Because I didn't want to be one of the kids that was on the outside. I wanted to be in the in crowd. And on being in the in crowd, I, I thought that would make me a better or more popular or that I was married for. Okay, thank you. Thank you.
Well, I've been very fortunate. I've been on two so far. One was called Real Men, which was basically dealing with the plight of men in the family, African-American men in particular. And the probably better known uh, program was called The Keynote, where there were nine contestants, if you will, speakers, trainers, authors, coaches, and you know different professions. And we were put in a mansion in Tampa, Florida, and given a ton of challenges. You know, I didn't know these people. Well, I may have seen one or two of them, but for the most part, I did not know who these people were. And this was a totally different experience, especially because it's, for the most part, this current point in my life. So to move in a house, it doesn't matter that it's a mansion, to move in a house, a mansion or anything, that was a challenge in itself. But I knew that I was up for the challenge because at this point, I had been speaking for a number of years and I wanted to be able to show that I know my stuff. I have what it takes uh, to be one of the top speakers. And honestly, I still learned a lot. It was really a great experience. We worked with uh, Delatoro McNeil. He's the executive producer of that program. And I learned a lot from him. He and I had the same mentor. You know, sometimes we'll find in life we have many mentors, coaches, and people that inspire us. But he and I share uh, a mentor in common, Dr. Willie Jolly. And uh, Dr. Jolly, to me, he's a true gem. Uh, I look at him as a big brother, uh, definitely a down-to-earth man. But uh, Delatoro, he asked me, was I interested in being in the reality show? And I was like, yeah, I want to be on a reality show, absolutely. He said, well, you have to write a book. I says, uh, no, I don't. I already got a book, and it's an Amazon bestseller. Thank you very much. He said, I don't care. Everyone that's going to be on the show is writing a book from scratch. So that was a challenge. And that was the birth of the whole Radiate the Brain and Change the Game, which turned into a book series now. Um, that book is very well asked for. I've had many companies, agencies that buy it by the box load. And honestly, I never thought that that would happen. I mean, I'm glad that it does and has happened, but I just couldn't imagine people would take interest in my uh, philosophy on mindset, leadership, and communication and see the value in it as they saw the value in me, which is another level of success for myself. So um, radiate the brain and change the game. I believe that anyone can apply that philosophy to their lives. Here's the key. is one thing <clears throat> to say it. It's another thing to understand it. And you can recite it all day long. But until you start taking action and moving in that direction, according to the principles uh, in that book, uh, from the message that I speak to, it really doesn't matter. So you have to be willing to implement everything as it relates to that process. And I understand, <clears throat> excuse me, some people will get results faster and some people will get results slower. But you know what? As we used to say in the old days, it's better slow and sure than never forever. So, um, I, I mean, I've had um, millennials, Gen Xers, as well as boomers tell me 
that they see themselves in my book. And I just find that phenomenal. I'm like so grateful, you know, that I'm able to speak that it proceeds or it, it penetrates different age brackets or different generations. That's that's the best way of putting it. It relates to different generations. So, Charles, you actually wrote this book while you were a contestant and going through a lot of challenges that were being presented to you as a contestant on a reality TV show. How were you able to focus and put and write a book? Well, this is the deal. A lot of people don't know. I know for myself. As a um, event facilitator, as a trainer, uh, not only do I do events for other people, but I've been able to create my own events, my own trainings. And there's something that you learn. When you start to learn how to do something, especially if it's something that can be monetized, the smart money is, Look at it for what it is. It's an education. Just like all the negative things I experienced were part of the training ground, so are the positive things. It was part of the training ground. And before the actual time to go to the on-site location, there was some prep work, some some earlier or previous prep work for the book. And um, I was excited about it because... I had never written a book of this magnitude. I'd written poetry. I'd written a memoir, but I'd never written a self-help book. So it was my first time to tap into that market. And that put me into my third genre as an author. And uh, it was really a, a wonderful experience. And this is the thing. I wrote the book, and... Della Toro is the, I think at the time, was rated the 32nd top speaker in the world. And he said uh, he would endorse the He would write the forward. That's what he said. And so I wrote the book, and I gave him the book so he can write the forward. And he says, oh, no, I'm not writing the forward for this. And I'm like, you said you would write the forward. He says, look, your book is light. It has nothing in it that's going to give it any meat. It's not worth the value for me to put my name on. Now, it didn't mean that what I was writing about wasn't good, but I hadn't had any additional statistics. I hadn't, I didn't, it had a lot of fluff in there. So he gave me the book back, and I realized, okay, I needed to go deeper. And I did. I went deeper in that book. And maybe three weeks to a month later, I represented it to him, and he said, now, this is what I'm talking about. And he gladly wrote a like a two-page forward. And I was like, wow. So, again, I'm still learning. All of this is part of the training ground, the educational process of how you do a thing in your industry. And that's what I did. I learned a tremendous amount from the experiences at the reality show, from the coaching and the mentoring. And that gave birth to... The rest of the well, congratulations on that. Let's go to the phone lines. We have a caller, Ron. Welcome, Ron. Do you have a question or a comment for Sir Charles? I have a question for Sir Charles, but I first want to say you've certainly uh, been a motivation to me with regards to the book writing. 
I've got a book inside of me. I just don't know how to quite get it out. So I'm going to uh, ask for your advice on something. For your book that you had that uh, became an Amazon bestseller, how did you promote the book for it to be known uh, to eventually become a bestseller? I mean, you can have a great book, but if nobody knows about it, uh, it's not going to do that. So was there a certain way that you promoted it, or how did it become known uh, to generate that? Absolutely, Ron. Good question. I mean, I'll be honest with you. There's not enough time to go through it all on this uh, call here. Um, I did have a coach for that as well. And uh, it's so funny that you would call in with that question because next Saturday we're doing a, a workshop called Tell Your Story, Live Your Story, Be Your Story, where I'm going to walk you through A through Z what you need to do to write your story, whatever kind of story it is, whether it's a, a memoir, a book of fiction, a, a how-to book, a self-development book. I mean, all the things that you really need to write a book, I will be covering it in that upcoming workshop next Saturday from 11 to 4. And we're going to throw some bonuses on there uh, on in regards to product development and on communication. I would highly recommend, Ron, if you have a pencil or pen that you write down this website, it's the wordsmithspeakersalliance.com and get registered. But there's a lot of information. Read the information so that you see what I'm talking about and you'll see how instrumental that may be for you. But there's a lot that goes into writing a book and this is the thing that makes it worth it <clears throat> okay ron did you have any any follow-up questions or comments you know i'll try to piece it together he was just cutting out so bad it was hard to really yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out where that feedback is coming from so ron he said you can find me on, on social media, that's fine. But I think you'll find that it's a very comprehensive uh, workshop. There'll be a lot of Q&A, so you'll not, you're not being, you won't be stuck with just listening to someone. It's fully engaging. Uh, I know I learn best that way, so I, be I believe in teaching that way. I believe in student-centered learning. It's not about me being fancy and stuff. It's about getting the information to the people that want to benefit from it. That's my approach. Uh, but look me up if you need to, and uh, I'll definitely get whatever information to you. What can a person expect from your speaking and writing boot camp? Well, what will be the tangible that they walk away with? In general or from the workshop? In general, I will say this. I speak about leadership and communication. And communication, it covers, to me, it covers almost everything, just like mindset. And so does leadership. You know, everyone isn't going to be a leader of a corporation. Sometimes you may be just the leader, and I don't mean to minimize it by saying just. You may be the leader in your home. You may be the leader in your place of worship. You may be the leader in your community, or you may be the leader as it relates to business, but the same principles are needed to be that person. And I tell people a lot of times, you have to become 
the leader of one before you can become the leader of some. So you have to be able to identify your strengths, your weaknesses, understand where and how you can excel <clears throat> as it relates to leadership overall. And then you need to be able to articulate that message in one way or another in order to be able to allow people to understand where you're coming from and to be able to lead, literally lead a group of people or delegate to a group of people clearly so that they can get and give the desired results. So, you know, I believe in transparency and simplicity. I try to approach, I don't care if it's a breakout session, a training or a keynote, I try to approach things in a very reasonable um, level as far as language and vocabulary, as far as examples. And I think it's important that you don't talk over people's head if you're trying to communicate with them, if you want them to understand, and if you want to help them. So my approach is pretty very conversational so that whoever's in that audience, whether it's online or in real time, whoever is in that audience, they get all the jewels, all the nuggets, all the information that they need so that they can walk away with something they can implement immediately. Um, I do believe in mixing it up, meaning uh, I like to add a little humor in it if necessary or if appropriate. But I do believe in hammering out the facts. I highly recommend that people take notes. I think it's so important that, uh, as they say, write the vision and make it plain. Let's make it plain for people to understand and receive. Um, but I, I look at myself as a, you know, a, a good guy. You know, um, when I do a talk somewhere, people are comfortable approaching me. You know, some people they have this air of uh, superiority. I'm not that guy, you know. I feel good about myself. I know who I am, but I'm here for a reason. And it's not about me being stuck on myself. What um type what, what type of attendee are you expecting? A beginner? Someone who's mid range or someone who's experienced? You know, I have received this is the this Monica, this is so wild to me. I have received all levels at my workshops. Um, of course, if it's a company, you're going to get a wide range. But in the workshops that I have uh, conducted, created, and facilitated, I have had such a wide berth of people from different walks of life, from the everyday person to the new entrepreneur. And I get a lot of people in ministry. And that still blows my mind because I'm thinking... Wait a minute. If you preach in a congregation or if you got your own church, you know, what is it about me or <clears throat> how are you led to my work? But it happens. I even have had with my workshops, this workshop in particular, I've even had people come to me that have already written books. And I'm thinking, wow. So I don't take anything for granted. I'm grateful. I had a guy come to my workshop. He had about two books under his uh, under his wings already. I had a lady come. She had written 30 books. And I'm thinking, whoa. So, you know, I get a wide range of different people with different needs. 
And I'm the only thing I can think is they were never exposed to the actual process. And it's not that I'm big on process, but I understand process. And I, more importantly, understand the need to know process. You see, as an entrepreneur, you need to be able to control everything in your business from A to Z. And if writing a book is part of that process, then you need to know the mechanics of that step-by-step process. And since I do know that, having written seven books and all the things I talk about, why not share that process so these other people can feed themselves for a lifetime versus me giving them a fish for the day? Oh, for those who've already written a book, they'll get structure to make sure that they've put all the appropriate components in the book that should be there. And for those who don't have a book, they'll learn what it takes to put one together. Exactly. And, and not only that, not only that, sometimes people look at writing a book as just the writing part. They're not looking at the fact that, yeah, somebody's got to edit that book, you know, and the process may take two or three times back and forth, depending on who your editor is, what the budget is. So when you go in there knowing it's a lot more comfortable and a lot more assuring knowing what you need to do and what's going to happen. But when you go in there blind and someone says, yeah, man, come on in, I'll, I'll help you write a book. And then they started charging you for this and charging you for that. And you had no idea that could be so disheartening to people. Right. So earlier the caller asked you about your book becoming an Amazon bestseller. Will you be touching on that in your workshop? Absolutely. We'll, we'll touch on literally everything because, you know, I mean, the, 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 the truth is many of us, when we sit before someone or you, even if you go to college, you may go to college four years, five years, whatever, you will not leave college <clears throat> remembering every single thing that you learn. But if you can remember the bulk of it and you have developed relationship, you will always be able to get all of the information, all of the details that are not, um, that you don't get or that may be missing. Because I believe that, what is it? Breadcrumbs leave clues, you know? So it's like for me, you know, I look at different ways of getting information when I don't know anything. I think I spoke to you um, at a point, a previous point. Okay, I like cameras because I've been in movies and I've been on reality shows. Yeah, I know what a camera does. It takes pictures or it can make video. But do I know how it does it? I don't know all of that. So that means I have to study. I have to be a part of the process. And that's the same thing with writing a book. Being an Amazon bestseller a New York Times bestseller, that, you know, there there's so many nuances to doing this. But I tell people, if it's in you, I'll get it out of you. And once I get it out of you, all you have to do is your part. Earlier, you mentioned the importance of having a mentor. 
what has yeah. a mentor done for you? How has it helped you shape your life, having a mentor? Having a mentor. I think it's important to have a mentor because, now first of all, there's different types of mentors. Let me tell you, I've, uh, I've experienced different types. Some are very aggressive. Some don't have a lot of time. Some are willing to give you time. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Some have, uh, you know, their own personality, depending on how busy they are. But what it specifically has done for me to answer the question directly, because I know I'm in a field that I want to be in, that I long to be in, that I enjoy being in, not too much gets by me. Now, it doesn't mean that I know everything, and it doesn't mean that I do everything I'm supposed to do. But what it means is, out of 100%, I would think that there's 75% of what it takes to be in my industry I'm doing. And that other 25%, either I know that I don't know, or I don't know that I don't know. And because I love it, this industry that is, because I love it, I will eventually get those answers because I'm not going anywhere. Do I feel like sometimes not being bothered? Of course. We all feel that way about something or someone. But having a mentor that tells you, don't quit. Just don't give up. Hang in there. You got what it takes. For me, that has been priceless. And I've had older mentors. I've had mentors that were younger than me. <laughs> and some people have an issue with that simply because, I guess, ego. I've had... I have, you know, and it's, it's amazing. You figure, I'm 50 years old. I ain't listening to no young person. Yeah, but if they got more success than you, why would you not listen to them? Take the meat, toss the bones. Makes a lot of sense. It may be uncomfortable. Makes a lot of sense. And listen, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> it may be uncomfortable, but this is the deal. It's supposed to be uncomfortable. Because if you had it down pat, you would be doing it. And that also is part of the training ground. So take your ego and check it, park it, get back with it later. Just do what you need to do as the professional. So out of all of the different things that you've done, we have about four minutes left to this show. What's next for you? I've got individual collaborations with different uh, colleagues of mine. Some are speakers, some are trainers, some are consultants. And we're trying to merge or marry our skill sets to bring that to the, to the masses uh, so that we can continue to help people and, of course, you know, earn our keep. So there's always something. And I'm thinking about finishing off this book series. Right now I've got four books in this series. And I think a fifth book would cap it. And then any other writing that I do beyond that would be a standalone book. So I got another book I'm thinking about trying to get to by the end of the year. And then, you know, I got a couple of things that I like to do. I still, uh, you know, it's like the creative brain. The creative mind is always working on something. So I'm open. That sounds like an awful lot. 
Well, Sir Charles, we have a, a couple yeah. of minutes. We have a couple of minutes left. So, if there's something that you'd like to share that we haven't talked about, would you bring it up now? Absolutely. I would like to tell <clears throat> those that are listening, those that may watch, excuse me, <clears throat> get some water, the replay. If you want to learn more about me, go to my site or check me out on LinkedIn, SirCharlesCarryInc.com. Uh, you'll find out more about me. And uh, for those that are interested in products and all that stuff, you can go there as well. But, um, you know, there's just so much uh, I'm grateful to have done and so much more I look forward to working uh, towards. Um, I, I have a two-part question I normally leave with my audiences, and here is the question. The answer is not for me. The answer is for you. Excuse me for y'all that are hearing this. The answer, the question is this. What is the thing that you talk about more than anything else? And when you talk about it, you light up inside. Let me repeat it. What is the thing that you talk about more than anything else? And when you talk about it, you light up inside so much that a smile actually comes to your face. Whatever that answer is, I promise you, my friends, you may have just met your purpose. Wow. That is a great question. And what a way to end this segment. Sir Charles Carey, Peak Performance Strategist, International Trainer, Speaker, and Author. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you.